So I want to talk about coordinate systems. And coordinate systems are really important because that allows us to understand where we are in space on the planet, which is really key. And if we understand where we are in space, then we might be able to understand how to build systems to figure out time between two points in space or distance between two points in space. And I find navigating pretty interesting because people have been traveling great distances for tens of thousands of years. And some of those feats of navigation have been incredibly impressive over long, relatively barren landscapes, whether it's across oceans, across deserts, across tundra, you know, and if you don't have points of reference, right, so you can kind of reorient yourself to where you are in time and space, you're really just relying on the concept of dead reckoning. You're like, I think I'm here. I'm not sure, but I think I'm roughly here. You know, think about being in the middle of the ocean with no reference points or whatever, and you're just kind of, you think you're roughly in a certain area. So you're like, all right, I'm gonna just keep traveling on this line and I should hit this thing roughly where I want to because I think I'm roughly here. And dead reckoning is a tricky way to navigate um, when you have no reference points to go from. And people have been trying to figure out ways to create reference points for a long time. You, you read about Polynesians and understanding wave patterns, right? Way before they actually see any land. Like all of a sudden they, they feel waves and see waves happening in the ocean. You're like, oh, that's because of the deflection off this landmass that's going to be over here on my right. That's why these waves are happening before they even get close to the island. Or certainly celestial navigation has been used for a long time, which is really interesting. Um, and if there aren't any particular like aids to navigation, like say a buoy in the ocean that gives you a reference to your, where you are in time and space, right? You have to figure out something. So coordinates systems allow us to do that, which is really cool. And I'm thinking of really two coordinate systems. I'm thinking about lat long, so latitude and longitude. And I'm thinking about UTMs, Universal Transverse Mercator. Um, and lat long's pretty old. That's been around for a long time. So, you know, once again, it's a way of dividing the world up into like chunks, Maybe if you, if roughly you could say squares, even though they're not technically squares. Um, and then therefore you have this grid pattern that you can figure out where you are within a certain area of the planet, right? Latitude's been kind of easy for a long time. That's kind of our north-south coordinate. And that's been used a lot with celestial navigation. So as you're running, trying to figure out where you are north-south, that's been relatively easy based on looking at the stars. Of course, you have to be able to see the stars, right? So if you have a lot of fog or clouds, you know, um, you also use, let's just say celestial bodies. So that could be sun, moon, all kinds of things up there. Um, that's really cool. Longitude was a harder one to crack. There, are, there have been ways that people try to figure out that longitude piece. Ultimately, what's really kind of come out of that is trying to figure out time. So as we move east-west, how far have we moved relative to a known point in time? And really, that came about with finding better ways of having more reliable clocks, for example, that could work on a ship. And that was kind of the big breakthrough in the 1800s that really helped crack the longitude code um, for the planet. It was, it was uh, actually a contest in Great Britain. Who could figure out how to crack this longitude code? And someone did, and they had essentially just built a better clock. Um, and the interesting thing is anytime you 
read about this stuff, uh, map stuff in particular. Like, just I think I know a lot of stuff about maps, but when you start getting into the weeds, you realize there is so much to know details in the weeds about maps, which is pretty interesting in the history of maps. So the interesting thing about latitude and longitude is that, once again, if it's based on time, we define times as minutes and seconds, right? So when you have a degree, so one degree is divided by 60 minutes and one minute divided by 60 seconds. So that's how latitude and longitude works. It works on that pattern. Now, there are a couple other ways to notate latitude and longitude with decimals. I don't particularly like that way because it doesn't make sense in my head. It makes sense if you're just like plugging it into a GPS and let the computer do all the work, but breaking things down into degrees, minutes, and seconds actually works pretty well for me. Now, the one thing that's really interesting about latitude and longitude is that it does actually account for the curvature of the earth. So latitude is the same relative to the next line of latitude. That's like you take perfectly parallel lines and you make a cross-section across the earth, right? That distance doesn't change. Those lines are parallel. But longitude actually starts to come together as we get closer to the pole. So right at the equator, it looks like we kind of have a square like between latitude and longitude. But really, we have a trapezoid because the longitude lines are actually starting to come together at, as you go more north or you go more south to get to the poles. And as you get closer to the poles, that those lines come together even more. So you're really looking at a more of a trapezoid pie shape um, shape versus a true square shape. And that's accounting for the curvature of the earth, which is kind of cool. But it does make it harder to actually figure out what your coordinate is in longitude versus it is latitude. Latitude is pretty easy. Longitude is a little bit harder to do that because of the fact that those lines aren't parallel. The other major coordinate system we use a lot is UTMs, Universal Transverse Mercator. And I read a really interesting book that kind of talks about how a lot of grid systems, coordinate systems, kind of really morphed into the UTM system and also how GPS was actually kind of um, came about as well with satellites and such. And the big piece with the UTM is that people have been trying to figure out a, a different grid system for a long time besides latitude and longitude. And a big step forward in this was in World War I. And once again, sometimes warfare has been a huge mother of invention. And essentially what you have now is field artillery that is advanced enough and big enough that it can now shoot so far over the horizon line that you can't see anymore where the shells are going to land. And you may not have people in forward observation posts close enough to your target to see anymore. So people were trying to figure out how do I have a grid coordinate on a map that I could tell the artillery people, like, I need you to put the bombs here, right? And then certainly as everything happens, every country and sometimes within even within a country everybody had their own way of dealing with that and then as that all kind of kind of got shaken out and kind of refined you know you now you have more of a universal system which kind of morphed into the the UTM system that's kind of glossing over that a lot but roughly that's kind of how it happened and the interesting thing about UTMs is it's different than lat long so think about this so universal u um, transverse Mercator. Let's just talk about that. So universal, everywhere, right? It's everywhere. Um, and transverse Mercator, what does that mean? So Gerardus Mercator was a Flemish cartographer in the 16th century. 
And he really came out with the Mercator projection, which is really like when we look at a map of the Earth that's flat on the ground, so we're not looking at a globe, that's kind of his baby. He came up with the way of projecting the Earth in that way. Now, there are lots of different projections, but most of the ones you see like that are Mercator projections. So think about this. Take a piece of paper, like roll it into a tube, stand it up on end. So now you have this cylinder standing up on your table, and it's as if you would have painted or drawn the, the, the world on that tube. And then if you unroll the tube, right, that's what the Mercator projection is. The transverse Mercator projection is if you do the same thing, you roll a tube up, but instead of putting it on end, you actually lay it on the long axis, right? So now you have like the rolly part on the table versus the end on the table. And then you draw the Mercator projection and you unroll it. So the transverse Mercator projection is actually unrolling north to south, where there's the regular Mercator projection is, is unrolling from east to west. So that's the universal transverse Mercator projection. But... So anytime we try to represent something in real life that is three-dimensional and has a lot of topography and on a planet that isn't uniformly curved, right? We have places on the planet where there's more curvature than less. When we try to represent that on a flat surface, like a map, a paper map, you're going to have distortion, and the higher you get to the poles where there's more curvature, you're going to have more distortion. And actually, when you get to the actual poles, like I think it's 80 degrees in south and 84 degrees in north. It might be flip-flop. I'd have to check on that. You actually have polar coordinates to deal with those parts of the planet. And when you have that distortion, you're going to have some issues with the coordinate system. Now, like I mentioned, lat-long kind of deals with that distortion a little bit better because it does deal with court, um, that curvature bit. But UTMs are really like, we create this flat representation of this body of, of the earth, and then we overlay a kind of perfect grid pattern on top of that. So we're going to have some distortion because the grid pattern and the projection of the earth on the map are going to be slightly different. So it's kind of worth knowing that. But why even use UTMs? It's funny, we get taught UTMs in outdoor education a lot, but not a lot of people actually use it. Like if you fly a plane, you're not gonna be using UTM coordinates. If you fly a helicopter, if you are a captain on a ship, people are using lat long, they're not using UTMs. We use UTMs because they're easier coordinate systems to use in the field and in doing a route plan in say like your, your house. And the reason why they're easier is because they're based on metric. So we're dealing with powers of 10 versus based on 60, which would be lat long, right? Everything's being divided by 60 with latitude and longitude where, where UTMs are being divided by 10. So when you have a UTM grid, most of the time that grid is in one kilometer squares. Not always, sometimes on really um, small scale maps, so really maps that have really big um, cross sections of the planet or, or sections of the planet, not cross sections, you might actually see a bigger grid pattern in there. But once again, if you had a one kilometer grid pattern, right? So you could divide that by 10, which would give you a hundred meter, like smaller squares inside of it. You could divide it by more than that, by a hundred, and you would have 10 meters or a thousand, you could have one meter. So you can actually get really, really precise. And most of the time for us in terrestrial navigation, we're really just going to that hundred meter level of 
resolution. Rarely do we really need to go more than that in terms of navigation. Sometimes 10 is nice, but to get to one meter, that's pretty, pretty close when we're talking about mountain travel. Um, so the UTM system is really easy to quickly get coordinates with or without tools because it's it, you can kind of take a square and roughly divide it by 10 and get pretty close to where you're going to be. So the interesting thing about UTMs as well is that, you know, there's a few different pieces involved with them. So we have the grid pattern overlaid on the earth and we have numbers going from west to east to designate where we are west to east. And then think about those as columns. So if you are in zone 19, for example, which is the zone I'm in, that column runs all the way from the top of the planet all the way down to the bottom of the planet, all right? So there's a zone 19 on that whole stripe all the way down the planet. But we also have a letter system that goes from south to north. So for example, I'm in zone 19T. So that places my square in a particular part of the planet. Zone 19 gets me into a swath of the planet, but the letter gets me into a particular part of the planet within that swath. So once again, I talked about apples to apples earlier. That's really important to know is what apples are we in? So zone 19 is important for me to know. And then when we actually think about the coordinate system, so in UTMs, we're talking about eastings and northings. So kind of like latitude and longitude. So eastings are where we are east and west, and northings are where we are north and south. Now, the interesting thing there is that some of those coordinates are based on actual distances, and some of them are not. So eastings are actually not based on any real point, reference point, in a true distance. So essentially, if you take zone 19T, for example, that square, roughly square, and you draw a line directly through the middle, right, north to south, so it divides the square into a uh, western part and an eastern part, there's an arbitrary number of 500,000 that marks the middle of that zone. To be honest, I don't know why. I'd have to do some more reading on why that is. And if you are less than 500,000, you're going to be more west of the middle. If you are more than 500,000, you're going to be east of the middle. And that's the same regardless of what square you're in. So that number is actually based on just an arbitrary reference point and an arbitrary number. Northerns are a little different. Northerns are actually the distance you are from the equator in meters. So that's an actual distance. So, and the interesting thing is when you go from the equator north, it starts at zero at the equator, then goes to the, the highest point up to the South Pole. When you're starting from the equator south, it actually starts with the highest number and goes to zero as you get to the South Pole. So kind of like little um, tricky things to know there. Now, what's important about understanding that is that it's an understanding the reference of your zone that you're in is that essentially if you didn't say what specific zone you're in, if you just said I'm in zone 19, there are two squares on that column where you could essentially have the same coordinates but be in different hemispheres, right? And if someone didn't know, if you just gave the coordinates and someone didn't know, they could be like, I could either be here in Maine or I could be down here in, south, um, in the southern hemisphere. By adding the letter to the zone, the T, specifically places you in a certain square, like I mentioned earlier. So now the coordinate system 
tells you whether you're in North or Southern Hemisphere. And that's kind of important. Now, the likelihood of someone getting that mixed up is pretty low, right? Being in one hemisphere versus the other. But once again, if you have the ability to give the full details, apples to apples, you should do that. So these two systems are worth learning how to use um, because you never know what map you're going to get. Like when you travel internationally, sometimes you may get maps that have both latitude and longitude and UTMs. Sometimes you might get a map that only has one. So you might get latitude and longitude. Um, you might just get UTMs. Usually when a map has UTMs it, in that grid marks on the map, it may not have the grid for the lat long, but it might have the coordinates on the side. And like you could essentially draw in your own grid. Um, I've certainly seen maps that have just the coordinates and no grid. You could draw in your own grid. Um, but it's, it's important to know, like, for example, I go to Iceland and some of the maps I get there, depending on the scale, may have UTM coordinates with lat long um, coordinates on the side and the UTM is actually drawn in in terms of grid patterns. But then I have some maps that are smaller scale, so bigger views of that area that just have latitude and longitude um, and with those grid lines on, but they don't have UTM. So if I'm going to use that map to navigate and I want to get coordinates, I have to know how to use that coordinate system. Um, once again, it's not wildly hard. It just takes a little practice. Um, so it's really important to be pretty fluid in either and then be un understand how that makes a reference for you out in the field. So for example, I still have a, a real strong appreciation for traditional mapping skills. So that's using maps, that's using compasses, that's using just terrain features, maybe using things slightly like celestial bodies, like I might use a sun as a reference. I really like digital tools, but I don't rely on digital tools primarily 100% because digital tools may not work. Sometimes you're in places where the GPS doesn't really put you in the right spot. That's getting less and less so, but I've certainly had it. Sometimes your phone runs out of batteries, right? Sometimes your watch runs out of batteries. So sometimes that system can fail. And if you don't have a backup system, like more basic navigation, traditional navigation, then you're kind of out of luck. So, and I also really like the process of traditional navigation, so I'm really drawn to that. But where I like to marriage those two pieces in is using like something like a GPS watch. Like that is one of my favorite tools in the mountains because... I don't have to utilize the battery power of my phone or a dedicated GPS type unit when I have my watch, right? I can save my phone and the GPS unit for really when I need it. Because if you're trying to navigate with your phone in like bitterly cold um, temperatures, like in a whiteout in New England, your phone's going to last maybe 30 seconds before it shuts off because it's too cold. So it's not really a great tool in that environment. If it's like 75 degrees out, fine. But once again, you're going to be using battery power. And nowadays in the backcountry, like battery management is a big deal. It's kind of a weird thing, but it's a big deal. So the watch is a nice intermediary between that tool and then the traditional map tools. Because A, you can depending on the setting, you can get a lot of life and a lot of tracking out of that watch, like hundreds of hours if you have it on the lowest resolution, which is usually enough for us in the mountains when we're traveling. You know, if you're like running or skiing and you need the most like to the second data about distance traveled and rates of travel, like you're going to have a, a less battery life because you're going to have a higher resolution of information. 
but the the watch is really nice. Now you can get a watch with a map on it. You know, it's such a small screen that, and I haven't really used watches that have actual color maps on them and touchscreens. I think it's a little goofy to be honest because it's such a small platform. But for me, like one thing that's really useful is at any point when I'm navigating with my watch, like I can actually just get where I am. I could get a latitude and longitude coordinate or get a UTM. So let's just say I'm in a whiteout and I've lost my, my reference points for where I am in time and space. So I'm essentially working on dead reckoning. Well, if I just go to my watch and pull up a UTM coordinate, and if I know how UTM coordinates work and how to read them on a map, now I can place myself on the paper map, go, oh, I'm here, cool. Now I can kind of look, now that I've reoriented myself to this map, maybe I can use some other natural references where I am. Maybe there's a, a good handrail or something that if I just walk this direction roughly, and I get a real basic coordinate on my compass, just walk south for you know the next 10 minutes, I should bump into this cliff band. Cool. So I can go back and forth between older school references and newer school references. Also, if we're always looking at digital tools, we kind of have our heads in the sand a little bit because we're just looking at those tools all the time versus looking at the environment around us. Navigation is really about looking what's around us and seeing what's around us and even feeling what's around us because sometimes if you can't see, you have to try to feel, which is very hard to do in a whiteout because you get very disoriented in a whiteout. So I really like the combination of the watch as the intermediary between maps, traditional skills and the more digital skills for sure. Also with the watch, you know, now you can start tracking your progress um, without running your battery life down like on your phone. You know, you can use that data later on down the road, right? And plug it into a digital platform and see where you actually went versus where you thought you're going to go. That's really powerful. If you do a tour plan, you're like, huh, this is where I actually went versus where my tour plan said I was going to go. Um, and you can get it at all kinds of data and, and information kind of retrospectively um, using that to kind of help you grow and learn about how to do things in the field next time. So that's a really nice platform. But anyway, those are kind of our two big platforms that we're going to use um, in the field. And there are, there are definitely other coordinate systems. If you go to Switzerland, you're going to have the Swiss units, right? So you do need to make sure that wherever you go, once again, apples apples, you understand what coordinate system is being represented on the map and that you're actually using that coordinate system and you're setting your digital tools to function in that coordinate system and with the correct datum, which I mentioned in the episode before. So coordinate systems, definitely something to uh, get familiar with and just understand kind of the, the basis of how they've been developed and what they actually do.